2: Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, presented by the Black and Gold Hockey Productions Podcast Network and also sponsored by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and enter code CLNS50. Today is November 22nd, 2020, and it is episode 204. I'm your host, Matt Barry, and I am joined each week by Heather Ingerson. Hello, Heather.
1: Hello, boys. Hi there, and also Mark Allred. Hi, Mark. What is up, people? Oh. Here to talk some hockey. I'm absolutely pumped for this. It's a miserable Sunday outside the Black and Gold Studio, so <laughs> we're here. We got a nice long agenda to talk about uh, some bees and some re- related news, just to keep the content going. So we love doing this shit.
0: No,
2: we we absolutely do. It's it's been it's been really good to be able to come up with some creative ideas to keep the content flowing. We've been. Doing a really good job with that, and our listeners have been doing a good job giving us some ideas and, and bantering back and forth with us. We appreciate everyone listening every week. Uh, and right now, Mark, has a few words about Bet Online.
1: I do, but before we do the Bet Online ad read, I just want to uh, maybe for the folks that don't always pay attention to the end of the show or or, or uh, put up with us until then. But I do want to say that we our Patreon uh, campaign is going on. And I just want to say we have a new item. We're going to be doing monthly giveaways, and it's a signed Boston Bruins jersey from either a current player or an alumni. And right now, I'll show you what came in the mail yesterday. This is an Anders Bjork-signed jersey. You can't see it because this Mm -hmm. stupid thing, but it's got a uh, certificate of authenticity, and uh, it's really nice. Great, great item. So we're going to be doing a jersey giveaway once a month. So, get involved in that. Go to patreon.com/black and gold hockey podcast. Get involved. It's only a buck. But to our show sponsor betonline.ag, you there is NFL football continues this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. No matter how schedules change or players that play, betonline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great mid-season bonuses, offices offers, and contests. And please don't forget to use promo code clns 50 that's CLNS50, betonline.ag, online wagering experts.
2: Thank you, Mark. And we also uh, actually want to start today's agenda giving a shout out to our, to our buddies at Dump and Change, the Dump and Change podcast, part of the uh, BNG Productions podcast network. And uh, Nick Busa and the boys over there um, actually looking to, uh, you know, you know, make some, uh, you know, collect some money uh, for a really good cause. Uh, showing your, so sort of along the same lines as the no shave November, show your mustache. And uh, Mark, I just wanted you to give, you know, say, give, give a few words about the Dump and Change boys and what they're doing uh, with this cause.
1: Uh, fantastic uh, hockey podcast. I highly suggest you go and follow them uh, on Twitter. It's at N underscore change. Uh, like I said, great great hockey podcast, uh, Boston Bruins centric, um, and uh, Nick, Jared, and Nestor—they all do a great job over there. But uh, we do want to give a shout out because it is November and it is uh, Cancer Awareness Month. Um, so uh, Nick Busa, who whose father passed away uh, in January, um, uh, yeah, so uh, Nick's dad passed away and. He wanted to um, do something in his father's honor. So um, this was a great thing to do. So uh, I don't have any details because I'm a slacker, but I don't know where folks can go to uh, to donate. Um, I don't have a web address. I'm terrible. So does anybody if you
0: follow? Oh, I'm sorry. If you follow their, uh, like follow them on social media, they have like a post. There's a link to the thing I did.
2: Right. Right, and you so, can hashtag Movember, M-O-V-E-M-B-E-R, with your mustache picture as well if uh, you want to You wanna, uh, you want to, know, support it in that way too. Yeah, shout out to those guys, man. They do a great job. Awesome. Uh, next item on the agenda, 92 years ago, Bruins played their first game at the Old Garden, the Old Boston Madison Square Garden, it was called in the beginning. Uh, back in 1920, uh, 1928, it was uh, actually on November the 20th, Of 28. And they played the Montreal Canadiens, lost one to nothing. But that was the first Bruins hockey game 92 years ago. Uh, And I wrote an article recently for blackandgoldhockey.com about some of my memories of the old garden. I really do miss it, I miss the atmosphere. I miss uh, being on top of the ice, the balconies going straight up and really hovering over the ice you know there were there were some terrible seats in that place uh, for sure and there were some uh, imperfections to say the least. I remember the ramps walking along the top actually were slanting down almost felt like you could just fall over onto the ice uh, and and the the stickiness of the of the ground <laughs> and some some really weird things and being behind a pole, my cousin actually, season tickets and one of them was literally behind a pole you had to had to lean forward to see you know as much of the ice as you could but it was still a great place i remember how loud it was there uh, just the atmosphere was tremendous. I think the Bruins lost a little bit of that when they moved into the new arena. And although, you know, although a better place and a, a nicer arena, it sort of took away some of the advantage, I think, uh, that the old garden had. And it was, of course, the smaller ice surface, too, was a big, big deal. And the lack of air conditioning. I mean, there were a lot of nuances. But I just wanted to get you guys a feel. And, and Heather, we can start with you on your memories of the old garden.
0: Well, it was, like I said the other day, like it smelled disgusting and it was like (laughs) kind of gross and you thought you might die at North Station downstairs, maybe waiting for a train after. But remember, I know like there's whole generations that don't remember those horrendous like green line, like whatever, scaffolding. I don't even know what it was. It was certainly unsafe, but we used it for most of my life until they ripped it down 10 years ago or whatever. But I don't know, just... It was a thing, and it was a great article that you wrote, and I'm glad. And it's, like, it's so weird to think that there are kids that are almost 30 that have never – they didn't, you know? But it wasn't wasn't just about the Bruins, too. Although, like, at wrestling one time, I almost did fall over the balcony. We were, like, jumping, and I hit that pole. And thank God my cousin Ryan saved my life by grabbing my jeans. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? He, like, grabbed me. But uh, I don't know. Like, you just don't – like, even just, like, the fights that would break out, like, people just – like, there was a time when legitimately Montreal and Boston fans would be, or Philly, like it would be a full on brawl. That's what you did in between periods. Like the Zamboni would be glaring the eyes and just like drunk hockey dudes stop fighting. That's great. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It just the smell. It's like, I can almost see it. And it kind of, I'm not sad though. You're right about the noise level. Cause the, I've only been in there a few times where it was as loud as it was back in the old garden. Cause the acoustics are just different, but I really don't miss the ramps, the endless walking and walking and walking. If you've ever been to Gillette, sometimes you have to do that. Like, it's just who nowadays, please escalators put them in. And I was so happy when they did that. But no, I just, it was a great place from when I was a little kid, you go and watch escapades or whatever, mousecapades on there or circuses or whatever. It was just like a a event center, very important. And it was sad when it went, but I can't believe this building's as old as it is.
1: I know.
2: Yeah, Mark. What do you uh, what do you remember about the old garden? It's actually been, geez, ninety five. It's been twenty five years with the new, new, you know, the old Fleet Center and Shaman. I don't even know how many, you know, names it had, but twenty five years since uh, since the garden.
1: Yeah. Uh, real quick, it's it's it was a, a building that I grew up in. It was my first real experience in the Boston sports. Um, I wasn't a big baseball guy, so I never really went to Fenway when I was a kid. But my, my choice of, of uh, venture when I went to watch is, was definitely the Boston Bruins in the Boston Garden. And, um, you know, 1928 was the first game in November uh, at the Garden, but the, the Bruins' first game was in 1924 at Matthews Arena. They played there for um, quite some time in the old barn and that's currently the, uh, where, uh, Northeastern plays right now. So, um, some real good history of, of, arenas back in the day, but, uh, no, the garden was, was something special, man, you know, especially when the, um, the, uh, beginning of the season when the circus came came around because you could still smell the elephant shit for weeks on after, <laughs> the, uh, after <laughs> the, uh, after the, uh, the circus came in for, and uh, when they were out on the road. So, um, yeah, it was 190 by 85 or 79, something like that. It was one of the smallest rinks in the in the league alongside uh, Buffalo, the odd, the old odd. Um, so now that obviously the rinks have come up to standard, everybody has to have a sheet of 200 by 85. But it was just a very unique building. Um, like Matt said, you were right over the action. Um, there was several times that I would be sitting real close to Fred Cusick and Derek Sanderson and just hear them uh, talk. Uh, it was just amazing on how they called the game, and I truly miss those two, uh, especially uh, 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 Frank Cusick. and uh, He was just a, a mastermind behind the mic and uh, and the play by play, and and just accompanied by Derek Sanderson and. And the way that he could talk a game because he lived through so many great memories himself, uh, it was just an amazing experience to 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 um, to hear and see. So mm-hmm. I miss the old garden. And a shout out to my buddy Dale. We were both landscaping uh, for a company one time, and um, we we were going down to Norwell, Mass, which is which is down south of Massachusetts, and uh, we would go by the garden every day when it was getting torn apart. You know, we drove we drove our, our construction vehicles down there and, and just looked over to the right. We were on 93 and just saw them picking away at it. It was just a mm-hmm. terrible sight, but we did stop in, and those guys, I was too much of a chicken shit, but those guys went in there and stole, like, big freaking hunks of bricks and threw them in the back of our dump trucks and took off. <laughs> <laughs> so, those, those, the, there were some good memories, and, and my dad bringing me to uh, several games, me and my brother, so... Um, in the old garden. I think I think that was the first place I got high um, because my dad bought such uh, terrible seats. They were obstructed right. views. And he's like, come on, I got a better place. So you go up to the gallery gods where all those psychos were. Oh, yeah. And then right next to a, guy, a gentleman, an old gentleman smoking a joint. So I'm probably... Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. probably got high for the first time, like a 12 year old or something like that. <laughs> no, definitely...
0: Your eyes would burn. Yeah. Your no. eyes would burn yeah. being in that building. Yeah. Just cigar and cigarette yep. and whatever. Yeah. And like, That's yeah.
1: not fog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice.
0: Although sometimes was fog.
1: Yes. True to
2: that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the famous fog games in the Stanley Cup finals, uh, one had to be in the blackout, too. I mean, that place was, and of course, the old Celtics games were. Kareem would, would have a migraine and it would be 100 degrees in there and they had no air conditioning. And it was just playing in and toward the end of May and early June in the garden was just like a sauna. But uh, I, I do remember, though, as you said, Mark, driving by when you could actually look into the garden because they ripped the, si- the side of it off and you could actually look into it. And it was just a bizarre view of seeing you're just driving up the highway, and there's the garden. And was,
1: literally, literally six inches apart. Yes, both yeah. buildings were six inches apart. Yeah. That was amazing. Um, um, I can't even think of the word. Yeah. But um, engineering, engineering. Yeah. Yes, that's the word. It's just oh, I can't believe how they built one up six inches apart and knocked one down and without damaging anything. It was just yeah. a feat that was uh, pretty cool and yeah, it's crazy.
2: Um, next time on the agenda, NHL and NHLPA, actually are the heating up the talks on on what the salaries may look like this year. there was already an agreement made obviously, and the NHLPA is sort of balking at the owners uh, trying to modify salaries and pay for this coming season. So it's created a little bit of an obstacle as far as starting the next season. So I just wanted to get your take and Mark, we could start with you on. If this could actually present an obstacle so much so that it delays or even jeopardizes the season.
1: There's a possibility here of a lockout, and I hate saying that. I really, really do. Um, but there was an agreement that was made in um, in the early, early parts of 2020 between the NHL and the Players Union about them not, um, you know, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it, kind of. You know, agreement, and then they went on to the return to play in the playoffs and so on, and did their thing. But now that there's no seats or no asses in the seats, probably for the this upcoming season, it's really putting the owners into a, a tough spot. So um, the owners have asked the the players union to please come back on your contracts or the escrow a little bit, and you know, try to work with them to to try to save the league. But the players. Uh, took this as a, um, a slap in the face, actually, and said that you know the the the, the owners uh, promised this and promised that, but now they're you know changing things around, so uh, they didn't like that. But the, there's ongoing discussions about this topic, so which is good that they're there's there's you know they're moving forward trying to get this done, um, but it's it's not going to be easy when you can't put fans in the stands, and I totally get it. But you know, I I can sympathize somewhat with Jeremy Jacobs and what he's doing as a businessman because his his business is predominantly on concessions and 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 you know everything like that. But uh, an owner like uh, I was talking about this on Sportscaster last night, that uh, an owner uh, like the Winnipeg Jets can make eight billion dollars from March till now. So, but that's a totally different business than 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 you know, uh, going up and grabbing a hot dog and a beer. It's it's uh, it's totally different. So. Um, there is things that are going to be happening. I hope it works out. I hope we can come to a common ground because uh, a lockout of any kind or even talking about it is is cringeworthy. But you kind of can understand, you know, as a common worker myself, I'd hate for my boss to come in and say, you know, hey, I'm going to promise you that raise and then come in uh, six months later and say, hey, we can't do it. That's not going to be, it's not going to sit very well with certain people. So hopefully it gets worked out. You know, there's, there's still a little bit of time, but we're starting to get uh, closer to the end of, of November and December when these guys are coming back into the country and, and you know, for, for a potential start in uh, early January. So, you know, it's got to get done sooner rather than later. Um, but with, with this being said, it possibly could be a, uh, a mid-January uh, start to the next season. So we'll see what happens. Are you concerned that you may not be hockey?
0: I'm always concerned with the NHL because labor disputes often, you know, like I, it's really sad that in five months and we've gone from, oh my God, they extended, they they did their new CBA. And I did have, I do have the PDF. I just didn't get a chance to relook through it, to remember the actual numbers that were supposed to be over the next few years for the escrow or whatever. I guess where I stand on this is I definitely understand the owner's point of view because this is a gate driven league so i can i mean even jacobs who i've spent half of my life hating i understand this dude is selling property and stuff just trying to keep the major so that the bruins can he doesn't have to sell them you know what i mean kind of thing um so on one hand i understand that but i also think especially this year how can you put the players in a position after everybody did what they were supposed to to make sure a cup was awarded everybody's you know whatever all this, you agreed, and they are the most underpaid professional athletes, you know what I mean, as it goes per capita, you know what I mean? They, I just don't think it's fair that your employee, what you get paid, is directly related to what your owners want to share with you. Because now they're asking you to give up 15% of the escrow you just won in this new agreement, even if it is just for this year. And that's a hard sell. And this is why the UFAs and RFAs are getting screwed with their contracts, because mm-hmm. sure, you might be worth 9 million, but you're not getting more than seven. You can't, you know, and things like that. And now they and, and even that, you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know what you're agreeing to. So you want me to give you an extra 15% of my escrow, whatever the you know what I mean, logistics of all that is. And I don't know, you're gonna realign all the divisions, which might be fun and okay for a 60 game season or whatever. But we don't know if you're going to, like we talked about, maybe quarantine them together kind of-ish. They can still travel, but whatever, because I know the owners want them in their own buildings so they can sell advertising, at least on the boards and stuff, and try to recoup. It's just a hot mess. But I do have a feeling, especially this year, given the circumstances, instead of the owners, they always, before the players can strike, will do a lockout. Do you know what I mean? They always do it every time. This time, the players, I think, have all the power. And I think it's... Re- all of us getting through this together. Isn't now I get more fucked because you're fucked. Do you know what I mean? That's not how it works. It's just not how it works. Even if your business goes under you're a major corporation, you cut severance pay and stuff like that. You don't, you know, I don't know. That's just me. Sorry, Matt, you, how do you feel? I,
2: I think that the, 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 the players have seen the salaries already starting to lower because of what happened in the off season with negotiations of free agents. So, Guys like Jake DeBrusk and, and you know a guy like Craig Smith who signed with the Bruins got less than they probably would have in a in a more normal situation. So a year or two ago, you know Craig Smith probably makes a million or two more per year. But now you're already seeing the average salaries going down. You're also seeing that this is not going to last just this year. It's going to last another couple of years before things get really back to normal. So. If you're a free agent coming up the next offseason, you're looking at another scenario where, you know, the the average salary is going to go down even further. And I think the players really will kind of want to stop the bleeding here a little bit and say, "Okay, wait a minute, like we'll make concessions. But we also had an agreement and we want to stick to the agreement. I mean, I would think that they would come up to some sort of arrangement or agreement with it or some sort of modification. Uh, that they both can agree on. The only problem I see is that if the owners sort of, you know, stick their their feet in the sand and don't really move on from it, then it could cause an issue where you may not have a season or a delay in the season. And I don't know, like, at, at first glance, I think, well, you know, how could they possibly cancel a season? But then I think to myself, well, if they're not getting revenues anyway from ticket gates and things, maybe the owners say, well, we're not going to make as much money anyway, so you might as well save – you know, save money and, and not, I guess there's not as much of a sense of urgency than in a normal situation to have a season because you're really, it's not a, it's not a real season. It's not a real uh, experience in a real situation. So I, I don't know, I guess it all depends on what the owners are looking at as far as saving money or if they're really invested in having a season you know, too. That's the other thing. So it's going to be interesting is the further along it goes and the closer it gets to mid January, because it's not that far away. I mean, it's less than two months away. So I don't, I don't know. It, it's, um, it could turn either way. And as we've seen in the NHL in the past, the owners and players sometimes create this tension between each other and, and they don't work things out. I, there's a lot of things the NHL does that I'd never understand. And, um, and I think the players are really concerned about a bubble. And I think if you're the if if you look at the NFL, they've they've had to they've had cases, tons of cases of COVID, and had to move games around. But they have the luxury of playing once a week. So if you if you're moving around city to city, you're bound to have COVID cases. And then and you also have guys in the minor leagues who really aren't either aren't playing because their teams aren't playing, so they're not working out or anything, or or game speed working out, so can they fill the roster spots? I mean, it's kind of a mess in that way, too, but you also have, like, three games a week, so can you move a game and then play? You can't play five straight nights to make up games, so it it could be a little bit of a mess, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see in the next couple weeks if they can I give it till like the next couple of weeks and they should be able to come up with agreement. If it goes beyond that, then we're getting a little bit of a danger zone, I think, as far as when the season will start or if it will. So it's it can get a little scary. I'm not concerned right now as much, but it will be if it gets to be mid-December and they haven't come up with anything. So we'll see. Um, So next item on the agenda is the North uh, section of the ECHL has actually opted out. One of the Maine Mariners up here in Maine, is I live near, right near, 15 minutes from the from the arena, and Maine Mariners are actually uh, part of that group that's decided now. After saying they would start the season around, uh, then it was first was mid January, then I think it was the first of February, February, and now it's now they're out. So that's another minor league uh, that has opted out. And it's becoming more and more difficult for, like I said, these prospects to find places to play. And also, um, as far as the AHL is concerned, trying to get enough players ready so that there are COVID cases. So I don't know, Mark, you're the minor league guy. And it's very disappointing. It's disappointing for me being up here in Maine and being able to go down the street and see them play. And it really makes it more and more difficult for the young players in their development.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Um, but the, the, this is the things that have to be done when you look at it as a business. Um, overhead costs are, are just not... Like most places are, are not even at half capacity, probably not even at 25%, which just it drives your overhead prices o- over and it's just not good business. And that's basically why the... Uh, potential affiliation with the air quotes um, with the Atlantic Gladiators, um, you know, and they opted out because of that, that reason. Uh, the Bruins were not affiliated with them um, at the end of this past year when uh, they ceased operations on the, on the regular season and the uh, Kelly cup playoffs. Uh, but I heard a rumor that they were going to uh, do another affiliation, but now that they opted out, that's no longer, they're talking with the Jacksonville Icemen right now. Uh, In Florida, which their cases are just absolutely ridiculous and just keep continue to get higher in Florida, just a a cesspool for the COVID. Um, But uh, this this for me personally, this is not good news for the higher league, the American Hockey League, which is another league that survives on uh, asses in the seats. And uh, the the Boston it's very important to know that pe- folks out there that continue to argue with me about this, the Providence Bruins are not owned by the Boston Bruins. It's an affiliation. It's just, it's business. It's one business and another business working together on affiliation. The Boston Bruins do not own the Providence Bruins. So um, if the AHL can't get, support from the nhl i think that the ahl is the next one that's going to be starting to freaking lose teams um so and the nhl doesn't have money right now to support their affiliates or even you know contracts you know and and what's going on in the future so i i can see the ahl doing something very similar and i hate saying that i don't see i remember a couple weeks ago and a couple podcasts ago i mentioned that there was an idea that the NHL wanted their AHL affiliates to travel with them and kind of play like a session in the morning and then have a game at night. You know, AHL in the morning, NHL at night. That would cost way too much for the uh, for the NHL clubs to do. So that idea is completely out. So I would actually look for news that some teams might, might opt out in the AHL, and I hope it's not the Providence Bruins.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Um, so Heather, I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to, I just worry about these prospects getting enough time to play hockey. So I don't know your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. Um, it's so hard because there's so many rules for different things. It depends on your prospects. Cause we'll talk about hockey still a little later, but like, you know, that's a whole slew of kids that you're trying to get in the system. The kids in the system are running out of places where they might be able to play. And I'm starting to get very worried I almost, this goes back to what you said about maybe the NHL just like call it a season and let's not do it because that would allow some players, right? Because like Mark said, we don't own the Bruins, but our pro, like a lot of our prospects are down there, but that gives uh leeway. I don't know this to be true. Maybe you could like answer, but that would give leeway. Say the NHL doesn't play. You know, the AHL isn't playing. How are they supposed to? They have no ECHL guys. They have no whatever they Let's all call it a COVID season and just not even bother and we'll regroup. You know what I mean? It sucks, but maybe we can figure out some kind of content. But that would allow some people to go overseas who are playing and things like that. Wouldn't? Can't they go on loan just like right now? There are people playing because, right? So maybe if they want to look at the long term, it's not just about money. It's also about killing your product that's moving forward and that canceling... It breaks my heart to see it because then that means some people aren't coming back, just like a lot of other businesses, right, at this time. But the main goal of the NHL franchises is to save the AHL and figure out where to put their college kids because now you got a lot of college kids that can't even play. The AHL guys aren't. Then, like you said, you got your third – you know, if you got someone on the main Mariners, now you're – you know what I mean? So currently the Islanders, the Rangers, this is just the domino effect that we knew was going to happen. It breaks my heart, but it's almost like – You know what? What can you do? I mean, half of these teams are in New England and currently none of the New England states can travel to any of the other New England states, you know, which like I live on the border. What is that? You know what I mean? Like literally, even if you had a team in this side and then you had one on the other side of Rockingham County, they literally are not allowed to travel without quarantining to each other. So maybe just in the long run, you take the hit now instead of creating a situation where are just going to end up in more debt, trying to pull off with all the masks and the handing and the quarantining and the testing. And like, is it worth it? You have no money coming in. Why are you continuing to spend money? I can see what the cup, co- but it does break my heart because like these ECHL teams, some of them are coming back, but at the same time, do you blame these teams for opting out and not wanting to travel? The whole country is red right now with like, spiking covid numbers and stuff it's just i don't know that's just to me i just i am worried about the prospects so maybe if some of these other season people get canceled they can get loaned out to other places or signed to other places for a season and they can still be skating at least in developing. Sorry, Matt. I don't know why that's so long winded.
2: (laughs) No, I, 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 my, my thing is if you can't have people come to the games and pay, then it's really doesn't make a lot of sense to have a minor league season because a lot of the, a lot of the revenue is based on ticket gate. So you can't play in front of empty arenas as a minor league team. It just, uh, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it, the NHL can do it for a season or two or whatever, manipulate that, but, the minor league system you, you have to have people come in and pay and and do the pack season packages and all that stuff. I mean, and all the revenue from the con, you know con, you know whatever it is, concessions and merchandising and so if you have no revenue, it's just it just doesn't make a lot of sense to have a season. You really can't can't do it. And so I I don't blame them for not being able to do it hundred percent. It's just uh, it's just going to be hard for some of these young guys to. You know, to find other places to play and to stay fresh and, and that sort of thing. And and it's too bad for a place like Maine, who doesn't have professional, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you know, major league uh, you know, hockey or baseball or that type of thing. And so to have these minor league teams is great for the revenue here in the in the state of Maine and for the Portland area. So now you have people who don't you know ushers and people who work at the arena who haven't worked an event in the arena for months. You know, guy, going on twelve months or whatever, nine months and. So those people are all out of work and it's just it's just it does a trickle down effect that goes to a lot of different people. And, you know, my dad's an usher at the garden. He hasn't had an event since March, you know, and not that he, you know, it's a it's a part time retirement job for him. But there's other people who could really rely on that, you know, that uh, income. And it makes it difficult for a lot of people beyond the players, beyond the owners, beyond the organization itself. It's it, it really affects some of the economy in the community too. So that's, it's just hard. So, um, next on the agenda is, uh, Evan Marinovsky. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should, you should at E Marinovsky. He's with CNL, CLNS media. He covers the Bruins, excellent young reporter for them. And Evan has put out some po- different polls just to get the conversation going in the off season here. One of them was who was the biggest disappointment for whatever reason, the bruins in 1920 season and he had you know down the bottom of the list was Chara at three percent danton heinem was on it kick him on the way out six percent and then nick ritchie eight percent and then i think it was uh david back is at 17 again we'll we'll just kick him on the way out too but the shocker of it all was 35 percent had took rask as the big disappointment of the season. And I guess being second in the Vezina Trophy, uh, you know, uh, nominations is just not good enough. I guess the expectation was to win the Vesna, and obviously to win the Stanley cup. And I guess with everything else that went on with him opting out during the playoffs and Tuka just hasn't really, you know, there's a contingent of Bruins fans who they just, it's like oil and water with Tuka. I think he's the best goaltender they have ever had. Um, and I think that he hasn't. Yeah, you know, he hasn't won. And there was the 2013 finals and Game Seven in 2019, and some situations where I guess he could have won. But it's a team sport, and you can argue that back and forth. But it's just another case, uh, Mark, of Tuca not getting all any of the love in Boston, and people treating him. I saw another thing where it said that people would would they listed people that uh, other players and other teams and and who they would want and Carey Price is up there you wouldn't want carry price at 10 million over tuka rask at 7 million then you're high <laughs> then you're then you don't understand hockey at all like it's just insane so um has been one of the best goalies in the in the league for a few years and i don't know mark you can uh give your thoughts on on bruins fans and their irrational thinking on rask
1: numbers don't lie folks Just look at all his stats. Go to NHL.com, type in his name, and just look at all that goodness. Because, I mean, love him or hate him, he's a good goaltender. He's your franchise best goaltender in numbers. He might not have a cup. He's raised one. Big deal. You know? And, um... Uh, the the uh, This is an ongoing narrative. I'm a huge Tuka supporter. I've been following him since be, even before the Toronto Maple Leafs drafted him, which is absolutely sick. I'm, I'm just a nutcase like that. But I just, I, he, I know, I feel his ability. It's just, this is a team effort. And so many people I can loved attacking me on this one. It's like, you know, Thomas won that cup. I was like, okay. So it was Tim Thomas versus 20 Vancouver Canucks, right? And it's like very silent after that. You know, so I, I get, I get it that Timmy was a freaking unbelievable goaltender and he's always going to be that guy that did it. And, and the last time that did it in 2011. So the standards are always going to be overly high. My thing is, is like with all this Tuka hate, it's coming to an end. He's got one year left on his contract and I'm either like, I can't wait for this guy to get traded. So I, so you guys can hammer the next goaltender that comes in and you need somebody to blame because when you're stuck in the corner, guess who gets the blame all the time? It's the goddamn goaltender. Let me, tell, let me tell you something, Boston fans. Red Sox fans out there, for the longest time, did you, like, shit on Ted Williams? Uh, you know, that guy that's in the Hall of Fame, baseball Hall of Fame, and, and just an unbelievable career. But did you give him shit like, yeah, he was a good baseball player, but he couldn't win the big one. You know, it's like, come on, give me a freaking break. You guys are just, you need a polarizing freaking um, um, uh, person to freaking attack all the time. We're a very, very selfish, spoiled fan base throughout all four major sports. We are. We expect excellence, and and when you win, it's awesome. But when in the down times, it's not so good. You just go off the handle and blame just an individual when you should be blaming the team. The team needs to be blamed, not Tukarovsk. Blame Brad Marchand for that stupid-ass shift that turned around and got a goal. Blame somebody like that, but you, that was a team effort, so... Tired of the Tuca talk, and, and we'll see what happens. But um, not shocked at all. You know, it's just a very reactionary fan base that just goes off the rail sometimes. So that's my rant.
2: Hello, what do you think about Tuca and the fans and their disdain for him?
0: <laughs> oh, my. Um, I don't... <laughs> I responded when Evan first, like, because that was, like, I guess a survey that gets sent out to the media or whatever. There's all sorts of questions. But he happened to put that clip out. And I just said, I'll never understand this fan base. And someone who is very anti-Tuka, apparently, responded to me. I didn't really get in a chain, but it popped off a chain of typical Boston Bruins. Tuca versus Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, So then you have, so I would like to say, first of all, statistically, he's the best goaltender you've ever had. So that point is moot, okay you can get into the argument about winning the cup or not so that's all i had said because this guy is very like when because he's winning the cup that's it whatever something like that i'm just paraphrasing i'm not quoting this or i don't want to look it up who cares but then if people come to the defense i didn't have to come to the defense because i'm not going to defend because the way i feel about it is he is the best goaltender i like tuka there are reasons to get mad at your goaltender every now and then do you know what i mean but this perpetual like tuka sucks he it's like he's one of the best goaltenders in the last 15 years. He's definitely the best Bruins goaltender statistically. Or even one of the comments like, he didn't win the cup. Oh, oh, because someone said his name's on the cup. Oh, did he win that? How many games did he play? And I said, he didn't have to because Tim Thomas was on fire. But back then, goaltending was different. You didn't go, let him rest, let him rest. You rode the goaltender until you couldn't. And that seems ridiculous to me because as much as Tim Thomas – Indeed was the backbone of why they won in 2011. Like Mark said, there are 22 people on that bench. Tuka Rask also didn't lose in the last minute and 30 seconds in 2013. I mean, I love the, I won't even name them, but the defenseman on the ice, but no one's yelling at them. No one's mad at the rest of the team that didn't finish it out. I mean, I'm mad at Brad Marchand, too, from 2019 more than I am at Tuca because he was not the reason. There were, like, three people who showed up to play Game 7 that day, and Tuca was one of them. So be mad at somebody else sometimes because when this team's a hot mess Hammer Tuka when he deserves it, but this perpetual 30% of the crowd just does not understand you are so lucky to have Tuka Rask. There are teams that would pay Tuka $13 because their goaltending is such a mess. They don't even have a tandem. They don't even have a half a goalie, let alone a whole goalie plus. I don't know. It's just ridiculous to me, but predictable. Like, I, what is wrong with us? We're just... Again, I love us. I am one of us, but we're all insane. I really think we're insane. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Real
1: quick, I just want to touch on on how reactionary this fan base is. Is like when when Dan Vladar had to go in for the the terrible performance that uh Yaroslavl uh, did that night uh, accompanied by a pretty bad Bruins team, that particular game. I mean, they really hammered on him right there. It's like, "Oh, great. This guy can't stop a puck and, and and he's our future." It's like, "Oh my, are you serious?" You put a twenty, uh, uh, an early 20s goaltender that's still developing in a high-pressure situation like that and try to freaking uh, salvage any of that game. I'm sorry. And the guy was coming on on 2-1-1s and they were freaking scoring on him. What could he do? But you already set the base for the hatred of the next one coming in, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. This kid needs more NHL time, not just a playoff game where he comes in to to salvage uh, uh, what's left. So uh, it, it's, oh, the fan base just drives me nuts with their lack of intelligence. I'm not the fucking smartest hockey guy in the world either, but I, I'm common sense, you know what I'm saying? You have yeah, I, eyes. I
2: agree. I agree. I, I think they don't – sometimes you just don't think rationally. There's so there's so much passion and intensity in how Bruins fans think about their team that I think that sometimes they just get clouded and they don't think straight. Like, they, they, they lean on the old narratives. You know, it's the it's the Jacob's fault. It's the Harry Sinden. It's the, they're cheap, which is wrong. And then there's the, you know, the Tukorask is not, you know, Tim Thomas won. But I'll tell you this about Tim Thomas. There's two, two things about him. One, he wasn't great in the entire playoffs that year. His first The first series against Montreal, they almost lost, and he wasn't very good. And then he started to pick up steam in second round. And then, of course, against Tampa Bay and, and Van, against Vancouver, he was very good. He was he stood in his head a lot. But he also had an excellent defensive core in front of him. Like an excellent, like the best defensive core in the league. Dennis Seidenberg played out of his mind in that whole playoffs. So – that's a that's a better defensive core that this defensive core is right now. And certainly more veteran, more experienced. And Chara at a much, you know, Chara nine years ago, which is much different than Chara today. And how does Jake DeBrusque not enter this poll? I mean, it's just asinine. Like, how do you not think, for me, my, my top three major underachieving disappointments would be Jake DeBrusque, number one, and then you'd have like the, the Carson Kuhlman-Anders Bjork group that we've been hearing about for a couple of years now who's, who don't improve and don't progress and need to because they need to fill those spots. So those that's another disappointment. And I really wouldn't even – and then I'd probably have Chara like third only because – not really to his own fault. I mean, he's older, and he, but he severely declined this year. This is the first year where he showed a lot of decline. And that was unexpected to me. I thought he'd show some, but not to the to the point that he did this year. So that was a disappointment. But other than that, I mean, Jake DeBrusque is on the top. Tuka doesn't sniff this, this this thing, and it's just unbelievable to me. And I don't know how you keep DeBrusque off it, because he was the biggest disappointment to me. And I don't think it's close, because he needs to be better, he needs to be more consistent, and he needs to fill out that second line and help David Krejci. And, you know, again, here's another thing is that Tuka Rask and David Krejci are not the typical Bruin personalities, typical Bruin players. They sort of have a, you know, they're, they're European. They have a different personality, different sort of cultural differences that they're not grinders. And, you know, they, it looks like they take some time off and they, they're not balls to the wall, blue collar, run through a, a wall for you. So they take the most heat, it seems, Krejci and Rask, when things go wrong. And they don't get all the credit they deserve from all the fans, too. And call it what you will, but it's just true. And they'll, 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 they'll back Brad Marchand to the end of time, even though he does stupid things, takes stupid penalties, takes stupid chances he doesn't need to take. They always, 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 always support him and make excuses for him, but the minute David Krejci, you know, coughs up the puck or does something that looks, uh, you know, le- less than top effort, they're all over him. So that's just how how it is with Bruins fans, and it makes me angry. And uh, Tuca takes too much blame when he should not even be anywhere near this poll. It's just insane to me. Um, all right, next topic. Retro jerseys. Another thing that pisses me off. <laughs> so top, three, top three you like and number one that you hate. All right, Heather, which ones do you like?
0: All right. So I'll start by saying I think most of them are underwhelming just generally. Like, OK, is this any different than what normally you would be wearing? Not really. OK, so. But I really like I love Colorado's. And I understand it's weird because some teams were really older, you know, obviously we know that's the Nordiques, you know, but I feel like Colorado has always done a good job. Even I was in Colorado in 95, you know, when stuff when the franchise is really opening and whatever really going on. they've always honored the colors of it. They've never pretended like, like the Carolina hurricanes only want to be the heart for when it suits them. You know what I mean? Where Co- Colorado has always, I think, the, even the colors kept the Nordiques with them, aren't you know similar color schemes. So I loved theirs, and of all of them, that's the one that I would waste the two hundred and forty dollars on if I had it. Uh, I really like the Kings. I like the I like that they match the Lakers. I know that's stupid, but I do like the throw. You know, it is Lakers. I mean, for Kings fans and Lakers fans, I'm sure it's very exciting for them to have them have those kind of jerseys. And I do actually like the Minnesota Wild. One, I know a lot of people don't, but I actually did like that. I like it better than their actual outfits, but that's just me. The one I hate is Detroit because I feel like Detroit's already having a shitty enough year, being a member of the NHL, and of a storied franchise, this is you're going to cough up for them, which is basically a white fucking practice jersey and a red. Like, it's one of the most iconic logos in sports. Like, it's been around 100-whatever years. I'm so disappointed. I also have to say, I you know, I'm partial to Calgary. They're my West team, right? But I hate the dragon. That's the poo bear slash meth bear to me of Calgary. That shit can be on the shoulders. But no, why are you doing this? Don't do this anymore. Then most of them, I mean, some of them were interesting, like Arizona. Or, and but most of them were like, fuck. But I did not hate ours the worst. I will throw that out there. So go ahead. Who else? What do you guys think?
1: I I liked uh, Minnesota's. I thought that that was a pretty pretty eye catching one. Um, I don't mind the Bruins. Uh, a little bias right there. And uh, the other team that I really oh I and and they hate me for it, but I do like the Canadians jerseys. I like the blue. I like the reverse. It's just you know, I don't know. And and oh one more that I did like is the New Jersey Devils. Nice. Kinda of brought it back to the old Scott Stevens and Mighty Brodeur Day. Shout out mm-hmm. to you, Heather, for the Marty Brodeur if you know what I mean. <laughs> so um no, it was there was some good ones. Like some bad ones too. Like the Dallas Stars, it was terrible. It's like stop with the all white. It's oh it's it's terrible. And yeah, the the the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings were very uh practice jersey esque. So that's that's my thing. Um but Again, this is probably something that the the league needed and uh, so get some interest and spend some money to try to recoup some losses. So it's smart to do, but it's also uh, also a, a moment when you want to slap some people's hands and just say mm-hmm. no.
2: Right. Top three for me: uh, Colorado Avalanche, uh, Quebec Nordiques. I oh, love that. I love. I, I love the one. retro, the true retro. I love the fact that you've worn something like it before brings you back to those days in the early 80s of the Stastneys and Michelle Goulet and um, I like that one I like the Hartford Whalers of course New England team that was is now defunct and love those old Ronnie Francis you know Kevin Deneen type I love those uh, Carolina Hurricanes Hartford Whalers ones and I love the Kings like you said the purple and gold again it brings me back to the 80s of you know Luke Robitaille and bernie nichols and those guys love those jerseys love the devils green love the andy berkeley you know old late 80s devils love those too i really like the i did like the canadians too I, I i see that and i i like the the maple leafs i like those old you know old sweaters with the laces and the and the maple leaf logo it's again it's old school i absolutely cannot stand the mighty ducks it looks like oh yeah eight,
1: no eight. that's another one of hate
2: oh my god it looks like an eight-year-old druid on a
1: scratch <laughs> paper. The the thing. it does too it's terrible oh, it's so bad there's no
2: color to it either it's just like a sketch of a thing <laughs> that they throw. it looks just horrific i don't Be understand why they
1: would do black that and hockey.com and uh bruins jacked up hockey podcast host jack godsell absolutely loves them and i think <laughs> yeah he absolutely loves the ducks one because it brings him back to uh a stupid cartoon when ducks play hockey and they fight crime
0: First of all, it was a very popular cartoon for his (laughs) set. Because right. he's like my cousin Stephanie's age. So they're younger than us. Like, we were a little older when Mighty Ducks came. You know what I mean? Right, we were right. uh, all yeah. So I get that. I personally think they should have just had the classic original Mighty Ducks. Like, yeah, you know, d- when they first came um, in, in the league. Yeah. Very recognizable. People would just hockey fan kind of want to buy it up like we talked right. about. The one I did forget about, I did like too, was I love the Lady Liberty. Because it's close enough to the Rangers Another logo yeah. that you recognize it as the Rangers automatically. Yeah. But I also love the Statue of Liberty. Big so, fan right. of
2: that. Like that too. Yeah, but that 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 ducks one just uh, and, and and I and I'm with you. I don't like any type of dragon, any type of you know. Just I don't like silly kids stuff like I, on there. I just I just you know don't do that. I mean, it, it it needs to be more classic. It's it's retro, meaning throwback, meaning we've won something like it before. I'm growing on the Bruins thing. I think I just need to get past the fact that they're not doing just the old '80s thing. And the gold does look pretty good. It looks better than the Pooh Bear gold thing that they wore in the late nineties or whatever it was. I so I, I, I agree with that. And I but anything like that that has like a dragon you know, or the Flames one or the Panthers one. I mean there's some ones out there that just I, I just no caricatures on there. It's just it looks silly. I, I don't know. I just I'm hey, not a big hey, fan. For two hundred and seventy five dollars I'm not buying it.
1: Hey, so, just to clarify, is is that a dragon or is it a horse?
0: No, I, I think it's a, think it's dragon. a dragon blowing oh, fire. Okay, like fire all right. Because yeah, it kind of looked
1: like a broad horse, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, well here's another thing. If you don't know what it
2: is, then they're not succeeding. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah, it is It is the Saddle Dome, and they. it is Calgary, and they're oh, known wait. for their, no, you know. But
0: I think that's why it's the, I don't know. It could be, but I always assumed it was, a, I thought it was a dragon, because they had that jersey before, that logo. Right, right. Like their third jerseys or something. I always thought it was a dragon, but they drew it in the style of the horse, kind of as a nod to the stampede do you know what i mean yeah but i could be wrong what do i know i um <laughs>
1: i'll have to know. reach out to some calgary folk and uh, get some uh, yeah, i'm pretty sure that.
0: though that it is but just the style of the drag they made it the kind of so it's like a horse dragon a right. fire horse i don't know what the hell it is but it is <laughs> should not be on the front of your therapy,
1: that's all excuse me <laughs> all
2: right um all right before we go to break we'll sneak in inga's tale of two twitter reply chains and uh heather i'll let you take uh control of this one
0: Okay, so, like, the first one was when, with the Evan thing and just, like, man, I hate other Bruins fans sometimes. But it's funny. Like, I like watching us fight with each other because, again, we're so just here or here. This is how I am. There's no reasoning. There's no let's come to an agreement that maybe Tuka sometimes sucks, but overall I'm happy he's not goaltender. No, it's like, you're on, you're It's, like, worse than politics sometimes, I swear to God, with Bruins fans. But then on the flip side, when the new retro jerseys came over... I had flippantly responded to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Like, how does a team that's only been around a handful of years even do retro, right? So (laughs) not really in a, like, being a little... I was being a little bit of a brat, I'm not going to lie. But I also am interested because I don't know anything about, like, Vegas hockey. Like, what the hell? Like, I'm an elitist Yankee snob. Like, I barely acknowledge hockey west of the Mississippi. I'm just saying. So... It was nice because their fans, they do not like, oh, you're so stupid and ignorant. Now, clearly, my logo, they would know I'm a Bruins fan or whatever, so they could have easily opened up a, like...
1: whole can of worms. (laughs) Yeah,
0: fight, but they didn't. They were very respectful, and you know what I learned is that the Vegas jersey actually is a throwback to the IHL Thunder with different colors and also the ECHL Wranglers. Don't really know what that means, but I would like to say thank you to the, I didn't write down your names, but Vegas fans who respectfully started fighting amongst each other about something, but not in the way. Like, we'd be like, what the fuck, guy? You're so wrong. That's not even how it happened. They're like, actually, they did not sell out the billions thing or whatever. But thank you to all the Vegas fans who gave me a nice other team interaction because, really, I'm only around other, like, fan bases that are jerks like us. So, you know, like... <laughs> um, but that I thought that was an interesting fact. I'd like to share it. So see how on hockey Twitter people we can actually... Have a useful exchange of information and even chirp a little without going crazy. It's okay. That was it. That was the tale of two Twitter chains. Bruin's Twitter chain. Toka Zasaki is golden. Oh, yeah. Toka Rask is the man. Respect him. Hall <laughs> of Fame Gold Hender. No, he's not. He's the worst gold ever. How can you even say that? He's never won the cup. He's never gonna win the cup. Ah,
2: <laughs> I think I'm gonna put a poll out and I'm gonna put like who's your worst who's your most hated Bruin. I'm gonna put Rask and Krejci and Jeremy Jacobs. I'm gonna put them all and see who's <laughs> most hated. Like, just, they're not even going to be able to pick when to have, like, all the above It's the last one. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, so, we're about the hour, Mark. We'll, uh, and uh, Mark has some words about uh, the uh, store next door.
1: Yes, we are going to take a quick break and hear from the store next door. Please go to the thestorenextdoor.ca and buy some awesome stuff. It is the holidays, and I'm sure that these guys will get an item to you before. They ship internationally, and they are awesome people. Um, and it's it's all hockey related uh, old hockey sticks into furniture and other great items so please go to the thestorenextdoor.ca they're a Yarmouth Nova Scotia company check out their website and um, if, you, if you happen to be there buy something it, It's because it's a, for a great cause
3: so we'll be right back there's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go and find a job so we set out to create a business to fill those needs one stick at a time We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time.
1: And we're back on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. i uh, just heard from the great folks at the store next door, dot ca please go over to the store next door website and uh, order something cool because you're helping out a, a great cause. So we are back and we got a, still a ton of freaking topics we got to go over, but uh, Matt, show us the, uh, lead us the way, sir.
2: Yeah. The hockey East uh, having some difficulties had to cancel BC. I think it was BC UNH uh, had to cancel some games over the weekend because of you know COVID uh, positives and, and just sort of being apprehensive to start uh, start the season off correctly. There, were, there was a game between UConn and UMass, I believe, uh, the game that UMass had won, 5-1. to one. So it's really going to be a difficult uh, sort of uh, opportunity for Hockey East to try to plug their way through. ECAC is down to four teams left, I think I saw last. The yeah, Ivy League is gone, and then some other ECAC teams have opted out, so only four teams left there. So it's going to be difficult in the game of hockey and college hockey to continue a fairly consistent season here. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. We'll start with Heather on, do you think college hockey can actually muscle their way through a season, uh, you know, or at least what looks like a season, and, and how, how is it as a fan? to see some teams not playing, some teams playing less games than others. Can they have a frozen four? It just doesn't seem like, from a fan's perspective, sort of takes some of the steam out of it. I didn't know your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. It's all pumped, and then just like I was worried would happen before it even got dropped, you know, the puck got dropped. They had already canceled the UNH in Maine, which is – A bummer in itself like to know you know what I mean like that was a great opener and again because the men and women are mirroring each other um mostly their opponents will mirror each other that cancels the women's hockey too and I just don't know I just if we're already canceling games I'm sure this flexibility I know they have this like double playoff like kind of elimination maybe to make up kind of four games that they might lose but I'm just not sure how they're going to be able to go forward. Like I said, right now, New England states aren't allowed to travel to other New England states. And how do you pull off hockey East with most, you know what I mean? Like it's not, even if you could pull off something with the closest teams to each other and maybe kind of did like mini pods and just kept having them play each other. And then maybe it'll lighten up a little. You can switch the schedule around that way. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be able to happen. And then what do you do? That's a whole other level of affecting hockey from top to bottom that's going on. I don't know. I just, and it's going to not, it probably won't work out overall in the NCAA because, like you said, there are teams dropping out still at this point. There are teams that have already lost. And things right now seem to only be getting worse, like heightening the fur you know, travel concerns and things like that with COVID-19 and college campuses are hotbed. So even if you can keep your players isolated, mostly, you can't not expose them to the rest of the college campus or the city of Boston or Providence or whatever. So I, I, as a fan, it, I almost wish that we would rip the band-aid off and just say it can't happen. But at the same time, if we can get 15 games of all these teams get 15 games. And that would also make my heart very happy for the players themselves uh, and all these schools. Cause some of these schools, like, you know, like we live in the United States. So a lot of schools depend on football as their big money maker, but there are some schools like Boston university or Wisconsin or Michigan or whatever. They also depend on their hockey because they are powerhouse teams that can get a lot of sponsorship and stuff. So I just, I don't want the kids to be in limbo, but I also think that in the end, if they decide that the end of December, that never mind, we can't do it, then what was the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather them just work out, maybe train, you know, whatever. They could do lots of training some other way, figure it out, you know, maybe things lighten up and you can get back to a shortened schedule, but it's just disheartening because I want the kids to play more than anything because they work very hard to become D1 hockey players, you know, and they need that, you know, they've, everybody's had it ripped from them and I'm sure it hurts them the same way it hurts my kid when he couldn't go to his game because we had to shut a rink or whatever, you know, and, and as a fan, I just really love, I like on Friday and Sat, you know, you throw on and there's hockey East on, on NASA or whatever you're watching it on and it's just disappointing for everyone all around. Now I'm bummed out. Thanks for bringing this up. Why
2: did I put this on there? <laughs> I don't know. My how much? Uh, I mean, you you love watching hockey, obviously. All sorts of different levels of hockey, and this is just another. I I just don't see them being able to get through a season. I with the with the spiked numbers and flu season in in full gear here for at least another couple months or so. It's going to be really d- difficult to have a season right in the midst of this.
1: Yeah, it sure is, and it, and it's tough. I mean, it's just it's just the times that we're dealing with, and, and this COVID crap is just continuing to just just dismantle great programs. Um, but for me to bring it back to a Bruins thing, it, I was I really wanted to watch Trevor Kuntar's first game at Boston College uh, over the weekend when they were set to play about ba- uh, I think a home and home or a double session with UNH. Um, so I was. I was a little disappointed in that. I was kind of looking forward to it, but then I, you know, I found hockey elsewhere in the USHL. I watched Mason Lori last night and Jake Schmaltz, and been watching a lot of uh, Michigan uh, with uh, Beecher and Becker. So I ordered I the Big Ten Network. You guys should too if you uh, if you do. It's really good. So um, yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate that things are happening like this in these times and. You know, I, I'm with Heather with that. You want to keep these kids up and up and running with skating and and avail, uh, You know, just to, to keep the development going. You don't want a speed bump like COVID to to put a ripple effect. I mean, it, it puts a ripple effect in everybody's lives. But when you're trying to get away from the COVID talk all the time and try, try to go to your happy place, it's very unfortunate. So that's it is. Me. It,
2: it is difficult because I, I'm a hockey guy. I used to. I used to go to BU games all the time when I was a kid and uh, during their heyday of, you know, the Amante's days and, and, and all those great, the McGeckerns and all those great players they had at BU. And uh, it's just, it's difficult for the, you know, the large majority of those kids who, this is the only high, this is the end of their hockey careers. I mean, a lot of them won't go on to play pro. And if you're a senior, you know, that who uh, who's really been like Heather said, just working your whole life for this year and it's just such so demoralizing to college kids and high school kids who work so hard and and really have passion for it and this could be the the end of an organized you know playing hockey in an organized fashion at a a high level just really difficult and I hope that they can work their way through it but with more and more teams opting out and um, All it's going to take is an outbreak on a team to shut it down. So I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that they can they can work their way through it and and bubble themselves in their own in their own way. There, I like Heather's idea of having like the city teams maybe play um, a few weekends just to get some games in and stuff. But again, I mean, what are you what are you playing for? There's no real. Is there a means to an end at the end with a tournament and that sort of thing? So it's still not a great scenario. But
3: and no I'm bean hopeful.
1: pot. No bean
3: pot. Yeah, I was just no thinking
2: that. Pod. So there's another thing: you're a senior at BC or BU, and you bean pot is a one of the big reasons why you go there is recruiter recruitment, and um, yeah, and then you can't play, and the bean pod is, uh, you know, it's just it's just not a great situation, and I, and I yeah. feel like the young people are getting sort of screwed in the end because not a lot of young people are really getting super sick with it, and I think it's hard for them to understand why they can't play. Because they, you know, they're, they're young in the sense of immortality and everything. And they feel like, you know, why why can't we play if we're not really in a huge danger? And it's just, it's a lot of confusing thoughts that go through your head. And I can understand. So, um, so anyway, the next, uh, next topic is the Jacobs squared off. Jakobs moral and his team squared off against Jakob Lauko, two Bruins prospects. Loco ended up actually scoring a really nice goal to break a 1-1 tie in that one. And, and Mark, we'll start with you and your thoughts on the two Jakobs. I know that's Boral, I've seen mixed reviews. He's had some good games and some bad games and some inconsistency, it looks like. And then Loco came in gangbusters with a lot of sort of hype after the draft. This could be the type of Bruins player that you really love. And then he sort of flattened out and didn't really – you know, he had some injury problems and things, but it seems like he's starting to turn the corner and progressing into the player that they thought they might have.
1: Yeah, and let's hope that uh, that it, it comes to fruition. Um, I'm still high on Zuboro, uh, even though that, you know, he was a first-round pick and kind of a dis- disappointment in 2015, but maybe some, uh, some kids need a little extra time to learn the system and so on. So he'll certainly get his chance, um, you know, and, and – as a, a Twitter follower, Cam Brummel, uh who does a fantastic job of of letting Bruins fans know what's going on uh, overseas with the with these players on loan, um, you know, I think Zboril had I had a game or two that were not very good, like Matt said, but uh, he's starting to come around. So, um, and and for Lauko, you know, he's just a, a spark plug of a kid, uh, a good prospect in the system. Um, just riddled with injuries last year. Hopefully, uh, you know, we ta- he turns the page uh, on a health perspective, um, concussions and, and, and the world juniors, uh, accident when he was just on the ice for less than a minute in his first shift, uh, he just tears a tendon, I believe. So, uh, you know, there's high expectations for him because he's so fast and so crafty, um, with his skills. So, uh, I still believe that he needs another year or two in the in the AHL. Um, he certainly can do that with his entry level contract. So, um, but I, I wouldn't rush a player like him. Still getting used to the North American game. I know he played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League with the rouyn Huskies and won a, a called a cup with those guys. But was injured at the end of that and it wasn't. He rose the cup, but he wasn't a, able to play. And uh, last year in the AHL, that you saw some really good things, um, um, you know. So, solid step for him. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely going to be a solid piece in the, in the Bruins' future, but nothing to be rushed right now. It just it, Let's take some time with this kid, get his overall game. His speed's there, his skill's there. Now it's just that two-way style. You know, you want to get the players that have a defensive style too and not just a north and south, uh, you know, speed game. So. Lots of good things to to you know. There's a lot of players over on loan. Like we talked about, um, Oscar Steen's having a really good year. You know, he's got nine goals and I think it's twelve games. Matt was with, with the numbers yeah. on that. Yeah,
2: nine goals and twelve. And, uh, nine goals, twelve
1: points in fourteen games. Yeah. So yeah, so it's a lot of solid, a lot of solid stuff going over there, and it's fortunate that those guys can, can are able to play over there and skate. You know, and just and keep the reps going. So. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, Heather. Uh, they're gonna. Bruins are gonna need something from Smolov, I think, or it'll be really helpful because of their the holes they need to fill. And I think they're sort of counting on Smolov to give him something. So I'm really looking at his consistency level in this league he's playing in now to hopefully that translates into something in the NHL. Yeah,
0: I'm especially as you know the defenseman. I'm glad to see not just him but these other kids getting to skate in meaningful games, like in active leagues where things still mean, you know what I mean, mean something. They're not just doing training sessions or like, you know, those short kind of quick leagues that are like eight games and done with, you know, they're, uh, I'm sure it's nice for them to be home back in Europe, Uh, but I agree with you. I think that all of them, you know, that Europeans, you have to get used to the North American style and maybe a little bit of a slipping there, you know what I mean, was going back to that style. Do you know what I mean? Cause now it's been nine months or whatever you were playing North American style, which is an excuse, but he is young and he'll grow. But I agree with you. Like I really like to see him get a little more consistent on what he shows. And I know it's a little different style hockey, but um, the NHL today is a lot more like European fast style than it is the old school luggy as much as we all dream in that world that we still are in the big rundown. Like you said, Trucking kind of hockey that we play on North America. So, um, but I think it's a good opportunity because you certainly don't want these kids, especially like Lauco or Zaborro, th- those prospects, because they're the ones you are, you need him, you know, to fill in on that back end. Like we don't have a choice. Like Vakanine, zaboral Lozon, whatever, they have to sink or swim because it doesn't look like we're going out to get anything else. So, two of you at least, depending on what happens with Chara, at least two of you. We can assume Clifton maybe has a little bit of an edge up because he's been up a little bit there, you know. But we need you to get better. So hopefully right now they're taking this opportunity to really, and especially Zaboro, like, get down how to think and see the game because they are playing against a a lot of other prospects and players from North America right now in the NHL now because everyone went home and a lot of them are skating, you know?
2: Right. And the other thing is when you're coming up here for the Bruins, like I say, a guy like Saboro, you're going to come up and play probably with a young guy. So that's the other thing. You don't have a lot of – there's not a lot of veteran. I mean, there's Kevin Miller and maybe Chara if he comes back, but there's not a lot of veteran – guys on the back end that you can you can't pair them up with a 30 year old defenseman who's been there kind of thing. Or maybe even pair them up with like a Chara. You know, they play the same side, but you know, or something like that. I mean you can't I mean you're you're coming up and playing with a Clifton or even Carlos a young guy. You know, it so it's it's um you know it's gonna be interesting to see how the blue line sort of shakes out for the Bruins. And if they go out and get someone or if they wait until mid-year and they go out and get some or, or see what they have. And then maybe use one of these two, got one of these guys as, as trade chips to try to get some, some veteran. I mean, there's a lot of financial in, uh, indecision. There's a lot of unknown in the season. Maybe they're just, maybe they forecasted that and thought that maybe we should wait until we take on other, until we signed a brusque or, or take on other contracts. Until we see what happens with the NHL and NHLPA, so who who knows? I mean, again, I hope within the next couple three weeks here we start to figure that out. And if we don't, then we could be in danger of missing at least uh, some of the season. So uh, I do like what I see though from Mason Lowry. I've seen some of the clips of him, and he really seems to have some tools. And that that pick was obviously hammered on as a as a reach. Uh, at 58, but it looks like he definitely has some tools and some size and some offensive wherewithal and ability. In the clips that I've seen, and he looks like someone who's noticeable out in the ice as a defenseman for Green Bay. When I've seen some of those clips, so I, I kind of like what I see there. I like what I see from Beecher. He's a, he's got great stride and burst, and he's a big kid. I saw him score in front of the net, which is nice to see on a really nice pass. Took a back.
1: heavy hit. Took a heavy Took a hit last heavy weekend. Hit. Okay, he was just—he was going through the Arizona freaking uh, Arizona State, um, uh, blue line, and uh, was trying to cut through them all. Lost the puck, so when he went to go reach, he was he was he was puck watching, and all of a sudden the guy came right across the blue line, fucking hamming him, hamming him. He got a charging call, which I kind of think was a—I thought it was a clean hit. I don't think it was predatory at all. But I agree. I, I
2: I thought it was clean, but I thought it was. You know, in in real time, it probably lurked worse than it was, kind of thing. Because he was reaching and bending, and yep. and it looked. I think it was one of those that looked so bad that we need to call something. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's true. I thought it was clean. I just you got to get your head up, dude. Yep. And coming across the ice like that and losing the puck in no man's land, there, someone's coming hard at you and. That was something, hopefully, a learning process there for for Beecher.
1: Yeah, thankfully he was uh, on the ice just for a, a couple of seconds, but got up and skated on his own, yeah. and uh, so yeah, everything's good.
2: Yeah, everything's good with him. Um, all right, so our next topic: uh, Inga doesn't rant, is what it says on the agenda. She polls. It's all right, Heather, what's uh, what's on the poll? Stripper pole. <laughs> so I, <was> all- <laughs> I think that's a temple poll.
0: So in the attempt to see if there's anything in Bruins land that Bruins fans hate more than Tuca Rast because my brain was very rabbit holy this week so that's why random things are on here that I had put on whatever things that I had picked but I was like you know what screw this I'm doing a poll there's got to be something that people hate more than Tuca so I was like this is what confuses me again this was back to the like I'll never understand this Bruins fan base so we put Tuca, oh, first of all, thank you to the 400 something people that voted. I appreciate that because polls are always better with numbers. So even stripper polls, right, Mark? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so we put Tuca on there, the Bru- Boston Bruins, and the other Bruins fans. And I had to pick a four, so I picked Ulf Samuelson. Now we all know, the three of us know, there's only one correct answer to this poll, and that's Ulf Samuelson as people commented a lot under. But I also think that's an age thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's... There. But it made me happy that Tuca finally did not win a poll for being the worst amongst Bruins fans. So Tuca got 22%. uh, The Bruins got 10%. Other Bruins fans... 11%, which I thought was funny because you would think that number would be way higher the way that you see people talking that they hate this team <laughs> and each other. Like, but that was nice. But all Samuelson, 57%. And there's so many funny comments. Obviously most people are like, uh, whatever, but Thomas Nystrom, he had put, it really should be, the other three should really be other Bruins fans and all Samuelson. <laughs> and I was nice. like, that is kind of funny. Uh, Chris Blackie's like turtle boy. Of course. Yes. Because <laughs> y'all know, but anyways, if you saw this or you're listening to this, you're like, Who the hell is old Samuelson? First of all, why are you listening to a Bruins podcast if you don't know who Ol Samuelson is? He's the bane of this existence here, like there. But there was also some honorable mentions of Pat Maroon, the Jacobs, Don Sweeney, anything Tampa Bay related. Uh, Guy LaFleur was on there in the 2015 draft. Um, interestingly absent from the comment line was the Montreal Canadiens, which saddens my heart. So I thought we could make this into a round robin. We got Ulf won the first round. We'll pick four more random things. (laughs) Like, what do you hate? You know, so, um, but although I did like, as Norm pointed out that Ulf is the no brainer, but Matt Cook could also be a suitable replacement on this list as Assholes that week. <laughs> That's you, Stanny. Sorry, I'm that that not flipping you man. guys off or anybody watching us on YouTube. Who just... was
2: the connect- Connects guy that hit Nathan Horton? He was another guy on my.
1: Um. On my- um, um. Oh What's his name? Rome. yeah, uh, yeah Rome. Rome. Yeah. yeah. Aaron Rome. Oh. Aaron Rome.
2: Yeah, when yeah, he blindsided uh, Nathan Horton, which some would some would say helped the Bruins win the cup.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Horton went out there and sprinkled the garden water. Yeah. Oh, oh what a moment. What a moment. Yeah, what a a great moment.
2: moment. Oh, a great moment. Those games at the Garden at that, that cup finals, when they basically destroyed the Connects three games there, were just electric, oh, electric yeah. uh, atmosphere. But uh, yeah, I, I actually put a poll on during the uh, break and uh, on my Twitter. And I put who is your who is whipping boy? And there have been nine votes so far. Eleven percent said Tuka Rask and eighty-nine percent said Jeremy Jacobs. I also <laughs> have Davey and Sedeno Chara on there. So those are the four choices. Eighty-nine percent of the nine votes already in like thirty minutes have been for Jeremy Jacobs. So I guess it's still there's still that there's hatred out there for the ownership. Uh, I
0: just I just voted um, It will remain anonymous because this is America, but I will promise to anyone who takes a poll that comes from myself or Matt, all votes will be counted equal and fairly. We don't Very care right. who you yeah. vote for.
2: I mean, right. it's- yeah. There's no electoral <laughs> system there. You don't get like five points from Heather's poll. Oh, that's poll.
1: funny. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Sorry.
2: That's, that's hilarious. But, so on, on Twitter, I don't know, This next item on the agenda is on Twitter. Eric Lindros' daughter, Sophie, I don't know if you saw this. If you go to Twitter, it's on all the NHL uh, NHL Twitter site had it, Twitter page. Um, Sophie is giving lessons on skating. It's the cutest thing in the world. And I, a little-known fact, I was actually at Eric Lindros' Garden debut with the Philadelphia Flyers. I went to that game. I liked Lindros coming out. In the you know He was obviously the number one pick and a big prospect and a big – you know, a lot of hype behind him. And I remember begging my mother to get me tickets to see uh, on a Saturday night in the Garden. So I did go to Eric Lindros' first game at the Garden. But his daughter's wicked cute, so I don't know if, uh, if you guys any comments on that or saw it.
1: I didn't see it. I, I Unfortunately, I missed it. Um I, I'll rely on you and, and possibly Heather to, to fill me in on what actually happened. My apologies okay. for not checking it out.
0: It was just a, like a minute. clip. She's like, we're going to teach you how to skate. And you got to pump your arms. And she's like jumping. And she's like seven, six or seven. She yeah. was just so cute. And obviously hockey's in her blood. And right. uh, it was just very cute. Like this is the future of women's hockey and just being a cute kid on a Twitter video from your dad or whatever, who happens to have been a former professional hockey player. Yeah. But it was just so cute because one for me, like I always say, like I can't, my, my older son outskated me by the time he was like six years. Years old i cannot fall down but i don't i wouldn't consider it skating like you know what i mean like right. solid but this little girl she's like six years old and she's already like jumping you can put objects yeah. in it but it was just so cute and you pump your arms like this like just little kids are so Sophie, cute Young.
2: So. Um, she uh she obviously has great bloodlines because her uncle brett was a nhl player too <laughs> and she's gonna she's obviously going to be playing at some major college or on, on the usa team at some point later on in life because she has those bloodlines and and uh uh but it's really cute. If you check it out on NHL Twitter had it, um they posted it recently. Uh you can check that out or just go on Twitter and, and um and search Eric Lindros' daughter, Sophie. Uh and then uh next item on the agenda is Bruins TikTok. Now I'm not a TikTok guy, I'm not a, a snap face. as that <laughs> what go calls it? Snap face, tick TikTok uh face. Talk, whatever it is i don't do any of that stuff so i'm gonna have to have you heather uh tell me what the hell this means
0: okay, so i don't really know i don't i never had social media until two months ago when i got my twitter account so i'm not a little peer I pressure there no to
1: get
2: you on
0: I'm twitter understood as the kids have this tiktok thing in which there's little videos short videos they post right so the Boston Bruins apparently have a TikTok page. So <laughs> let's go back. Do we all remember in the shootout when Brad Marchand skated by mm-hmm. the Pac-First Philly? Yeah. So they put this video out with, like, music. It, I mean, it is kind of funny. But, like, Bru- one, it's funny because is Bru- the Bruins actually hate their own team, too. Because this is not your, like, t- like, who wants to mock their own players on TikTok? It is funny. They put it to, like, this song. But it just caught my eye because... A, it's hilarious. They're, like, making fun of Brad And Two, it's painful to rewatch that because I was so pissed. So pissed. But it's just funny that this... We need our social media content from this team is very strange. you <laughs> just can't yeah. like, now this is the video you're going to put out, not like McAvoy with his puppies doing a dance or something right. funny like that. Yeah. It's going to be Marshawn on this in the puck. Yeah, but um, I had yeah. said like, what in the actual fuck is going yeah. on here? Like, what?
2: Is yeah.
0: But it was just funny. So if you haven't seen the clip, it's on Bruins TikTok, but I don't know how to use TikTok. I don't have that. Just so look it on Twitter or Facebook or something. There's Marshawn on TikTok video. It's funny. I don't, no. think I don't
2: think there's any question that you will not be seeing a black and gold podcast TikTok anytime soon. No, That's not my bag at all.
1: <laughs> I, I am not into the TikTok thing. I think, uh, I think what I see on Twitter is enough for me. It's, some of it's yeah. funny, but nothing I would want to get involved in or anything like that. But, I mean, good on them to explore all areas of social media to get to promote the team and so on. But, yeah, it's just not for me.
2: Yeah, I just so use Twitter to, Twitter to get my uh, Bruins and sports news. I feel like I can get the most
1: news there. I'm a Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn kind of guy, so yeah. that's about it. Um and
2: yeah. um, G, Heather. Any of those or anyone? Knows? Sure,
0: we have a couple. Of, we actually so. had a topic. I'm sorry. Um, uh, the ref, uh, the underscore ref, forty three, five minutes each for fighting. He had actually remember how we had asked maybe topics too, but this is just a quick one. Before we do the actual ask BNGs. I will count it, even though it doesn't say hashtag ask BNG,
1: Yeah, Raph. Smart not.
0: So, <laughs> and it said, um, "I." He just said, "I actually want this organization to get hammered for not retiring Willie O'Ree's number." What is the reasoning? And we kind of talked about Willie O'Ree, I think last week or the week before or something, but yeah, he brought um, it up. Yeah, and so this was another one. You know, like I, I'm not going to hammer them, but just one more time. Like, what is the reason? the nhl we get maybe everyone's not in agreement let's retire the number nhl wide but why has this organization and i agree with matt they have paid homage a little to it it's not like they ignored his importance you know what i mean but why is his number not up in the rafters in our own building
1: i don't get it either i mean yeah I, I, yeah i mean i i guess i
2: see i see the number thing i just think you should put some sort of Acknowledgement in the rafters. Maybe it doesn't have to be the number if you're really hung up on. You have to be a great player, Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, you know, he he didn't have a very long career, so uh, so maybe if you're hung up on the the numbers are just for that type of thing, hockey acknowledgments. Then I get, I mean I get that I get that, but you should put something up there to acknowledge him up next to the numbers and. Uh, you know, the, the banners for the, for the, the wins. And I don't know, are the Adams division banners still up there? I thought that was the most ridiculous thing, (laughs) but, uh, but those, but up there somewhere, uh, maybe uh, a picture of him and and some of his accomplishments or something nice, a banner for for Willie would be great. You know, I I think that's, that's great. And I think, uh, you know, if you don't want to do the whole number thing, then I get it, I guess. But, uh, you know, something up there would be really nice to see. And and maybe they will at some point, you know, it's, uh, who knows? They haven't really had a crowd in there for a while. So maybe they're, maybe they have some things on the plate to do. Maybe that's something that is in the back of their minds. Who knows? So.
0: Yeah, I just, I, I just think it's weird because I get like maybe as a player wise, but he is in the hall of fame as a builder, you know what I mean? And, Right. All the other numbers are people who are Hall of Famers, or you know what I mean, or whatever. Mo- I can are. Can you think of one that isn't in the Hall of Fame too that is also retired by the? Yoga- I can't off the top of my head. I'm trying to imagine the pianos right. real quick, yeah. but just to wrap it, I just even if you don't retire the number his number, he should have one of those, you know what I mean? Like, even if you don't officially retire the number, his number should be up recognizing him with his name. And even if it is as a builder more than a player or kind of a nod to both, it does kind of befuddle me. And you'd think, especially in this environment to like, if a huge conversation this year is like not to get, you know, but obviously like we've had a lot of like protests and things over people's acknowledging the importance of african-americans you know I, he's canadian obviously but i mean same thing holds right that it, it just seems like this is almost the right moment to like yes they have you know given lots of acknowledge i have a poster we got at a game one day it was like an anniversary of something happening with him you know uh when we had gone to a game but i it does just befuddle me okay come on boys these are the other ask b g's oh thank you very much ref uh so what kind of offensive upside do you think Jackson Nika will have in his first full season? That's from um, Jacob Abinanti. Abinanti, is that how you say it?
1: Yeah, he's a new writer at blackandgoldhockey.com.
0: I've Great. just never said his name out loud.
1: Great question. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have uh, – he's got some tremendous upside, and and hopefully it's going to be on display because it's definitely going to be needed when, when, um, when this Boston Bruins team is looking for that secondary scoring. Um, uh, on the top six. I, I have him locked in as making the team, but he also has the availability to go down to Providence, too, if needed. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen, but um, if it does, I know he's going to have a a strong head on his shoulders and, and work hard to get back up at the NHL level, but um, I have him scheduled in as an NHL roster, probably on the right side, um, so we'll see what happens from there, but Solid prospect and, and somebody to watch. That's for sure. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, I like Soneka. I like what I saw because he was noticeable on the ice in the short amount of time he played in the postseason there. And he, he, you could see that he had some real ability, vision, hands, um, and, and, and some really good offensive tools. He's he's not – I had an opportunity to talk to Billy Jaffe a while back, and his concern with Jack was that he's still very slight. And to take the wear and tear of the NHL season – and I can see that, and I think that maybe what, maybe me included, because I've been the biggest Jack of Nika supporter to try to get him on one of the top two lines uh, to start the season, is that uh, maybe he's not physically ready to carry that sort of burden, but I also don't want to put him down the third or fourth line with someone who can't really playmate, and then his numbers aren't there, and then you start to question whether or not how good he is. Sometimes the Bruins do this. They, they start a prospect on a line that has no chance to score and then blame the guy for not scoring or producing. So I don't want that either. I think you need to come up, and especially now with Pasternak out to start the year, I'd put him right on that top line with Bergeron and Marchand and just see what you have for three or four weeks and see if he can uh, produce with those guys. Or if you want to put him with Krejci, you could do that. Uh, as well, because you're going to have, you know, Marshian Pasternak at least, and maybe even Marshian for the very beginning of the year, not not ready yet. So, if that's the case, you have an opportunity here to see what we have in Studnika, and I like what I've seen in him so far. So, I think this might be a good opportunity to do that because of the injuries you have to start the year. Um, so, I, I'm I'm an advocate for doing that, and I think he can he can potentially be a guy in your own system that could fill one of those needs you really had uh, as a top six forward um, instead of going out and spending money on a guy. So it's a real, he's a, he's a very important piece to this, I think, as far as filling out the roster and adding another offensive piece. So I don't know Heather, your thoughts on Jack, but I, I liked what I saw. And I think that he, I'll say this, he seemed to have more ability, raw ability, than guys like Bjork and Coleman and those guys. You seem to be more noticeable as a top six guy.
0: Um, I get, we're going to need him, but I also am going to need everyone to keep it in perspective of like what you said. I think our expectations are ridiculously high all the time. And although Jack Stanika is probably going to make a positive offensive uh, impact on this team, he cannot be like the saving grace. If we wanted a saving grace, we should have gone out and got one. You know what I mean? Or we should sign one with whatever we have left. I do think it's an important step for him. I think he's ready to come up and be up, but I don't think he's, you know, filling in on the top line for a week or two is one burden, but like being in the top two lines for a whole season is, and I do think he could use another season of seasoning up, but I think he's in a weird position where he's kind of outgrown his role in the AHL, but he's not quite ready for his role in the NHL. So I guess when you get to that point, you've got to sink or swim, right? So I expect to see him up on the roster and to make an impact. But my big concern is we very easily can tear down uh, top prospects on this team, especially if we see something good for them for a little bit. And we expect that they're going to always have that consistently all the time, and which isn't so in your first full season. You know what I mean? It's just unless you are a natural born stud, and I do think he has a really good way to see the ice. Was that you know a what pun? I, mean? I know you saw a pun on words. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he sees the ice really well, though, compared to like you said, his contemporaries. Like, uh, like I think Bjork's got a lot of talent. I, I just a talent, but I don't think he can kind of see the move ahead and, or even. I think that's one of um, Peter Solaric's biggest issues: is he can't read play very well or see the ice, you know, overall. So. Anyways, yeah. That's it. You like that, Stadnika? Stud, Nika? stud that the Stud. Fun. I know
1: you that guys was so fun. That. I thought you
2: said Bjork had a lot of Italian in him, and I was like, oh, I, didn't do that. <laughs> I know
1: fun. I did too. Yeah, was interesting.
0: <laughs> okay. All that's right. So one well. last one. We got Sean Harvey asked us uh, if there's a shortened season, sixty games or something this year. Uh, do you think that the Bruins should test more of their upcoming prospects in the NHL or try to go and win the Cup? I don't think we're winning the Cup, so I'm going to go with. I'll take the prospects, I guess, and we'll just choke through whatever happens this season.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm on board with uh, giving guys uh, on a shortened season, uh, giving the vets a little more rest, and getting uh, incorporate some youth and so on, and and have f- folks ready for a potential playoff. I'm not I'm not saying cup either, but you didn't make any significant changes. The addition of Craig Smith on the right side. It does address a certain need when you're looking at puck possession because his numbers are very good there. He is a 20-goal uh, scorer, and I think he has for the past five seasons. So, yeah, you add a little bit of scoring there. But it, for me, it's just not that big of a move up the up front. Uh, or you didn't really address anything on the defense, which I still think you need to. Uh, another solid addition, another solid veteran there, uh, regardless if you lose Chara or not. But uh, yeah, I think this is like three, two or three moves away from a uh, from a cup winner. But uh, it will be a competitive team um, and and possibly make the make the uh, the playoffs. But um, you know, you got to do a little bit better in the off season, uh, especially on the, your first day of free agency when everything's going and you're just making uh, a simple signing. And and thank thank Craig Smith for coming in at a lower cap number than he he could have gotten on an, on the open market. You know, so. We'll see what happens, but uh, hopefully, hopefully everything works out regardless of uh, this season coming up, and if it's actually going to happen. So I mean, just it's a day by day, week by week kind of thing for this NHL and the NHLPA, and and what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah,
2: I I I am. um, Look, if you haven't made many moves, you you picked up Craig Smith, which is a very widely regarded as a very good move, uh, especially for the money in turn. Uh, but you haven't really done anything else to change the roster all that much, and you really seem to be relying on these young guys, then you need to give them the, – then that's where you're going. That you need to give them the opportunity. You've obviously said we're going to put our eggs in these young guys' baskets and see what we have, and maybe you use the 60-game season just to say – and some look at some fans think that a 60-game modified season with different divisions isn't a real season. Let's just call it – I mean, some people think that way, and that's that can be rightfully so. I mean, it's not a typical season. So maybe just take this as a sort of a tryout kind of period or see what you have from your young guys. Play as many as you can in different situations. See what you have. And then at the end of next season, I'm not saying use it as a throwaway season, but use it as a season where you're really looking at what you have in your system. And then at the end of this season, you say, okay, who are we going to continue with and who are we going to move on from? And I, I would be on board with that if you just came out and sort of said that and and told people that that was the plan. I think that people would understand for the most part. I mean, you're not going to please everybody, but I think people would understand. And I think you get into trouble as an organization when you say one thing and do another. Or you say, like you said, well, we're going to make some major changes to the roster and we have to be really honest with our roster. And then you made essentially none. So that that's, that's where people get irritated is because you're not being truthful and I think it's you can have some transparency here in this time and say look at this is what we're looking to do because of this and I think that the majority of people fans out there would understand and would at least know the plan and be able to embrace that plan and see how it works than to say yeah you know we're still trying to win the cup and then really do nothing that makes anybody believe you're trying to win the cup. <laughs> so,
3: Matt, Matt,
1: to touch on that right there, it's like, I don't want to go, I don't want the Boston Bruins organization to go as drastic as sending letters out to the season ticket holders, much like what the Chicago Blackhawks did and they right, rebuilt yeah, that's, that's, and what the New York Rangers did and so on. Right, that's just a, right. but at your end of year uh, press conferences, like you mentioned, you know, it, it's just have better dialogue with your, with your, your passionate fans and your supporters and the, And what we do as a as a sports media company here on a daily basis is feed us the information that we need and not just leave us in the dark but but certainly don't in Boston one thing is 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 uh is very important is being truthful and sure. and and you said that you're going to make these uh want to make these moves to be a, a better team for the next season, and you didn't well I'm sorry, you basically put your own foot in your mouth and yeah. and and you're up for speculation uh you know. When when fans uh, have a little outrage, so by doing that, expect expect the rebound of uh, of hate coming at you because that's certainly what you got.
2: It almost makes you wonder that Sweeney said that thinking as a GM, this is what we need to do, and then Jeremy Jacobs was someone after he said that pulled him in the office, and was like, eh, I don't think we're doing that right now. You know, it, it almost like there was a swerve there, and then Sweeney never said anything else about it, which leads me to believe that he spoke too soon. And he said something out of context. And then the ownership was like, you know what? Now that we're looking at the numbers, not going to happen. And then he tried to get creative with numbers and players and term. And and no one was biting. No teams were biting. And he misread the market, which is OK, because it's a, again, it's a different time. And it's no one kind of knows what the hell is going on. So I wouldn't blame him if he misread it. But I think it might have that might have been the case. You know, he spoke sort of. Out of context, right after the season ended, saying this is what we need to do, and then upon further review, we uh, we realize we you know the money's tight and we're not there's uncertainty. Let's not do it.
1: Yeah, one thing before Heather, I want to say is um, is uh, what you just said. If Jeremy Jacobs took him in the office and said no, we shouldn't have said that. Then you should have said the same thing to Cam Neely before he did it three days later. Right. Right. Hey. Sorry, Heather, no, go kind of, right ahead.
0: No, that's kind of what I was going to say is that, I mean, I've expressed how I think Cam and Don are not on the same page anymore because Neely's been around longer, so his ass is the highest under the fire when it comes to the Jacobs, even though the thing is like the president has a lot more of the behind the scenes dealing with the owner than the GM does, right? He essentially answers to that person. The GM's like the figurehead and the talk, I mean, has the power, but is also just the face that has to be the face of the front office. I do think that, although they're not on the same page, Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, judging by those pressers that they did a couple days apart, they sounded like they were towing the party line. You know what I mean? Just like, we're in a rebuild, we have to assess, everyone's on the table, la, la, la. And I'm not quite sure if it's that Don Sweeney misread the market, but I definitely think that they probably misread what their expectations and allowances would be for this season. And it was too late to take it back. And now Neely and Sweeney's asses are going to be on the fire because the fans are going to expect, like you said, don't say it if you don't mean it, you know what I mean? Don't say it, this and that. This is partly why even with the Tory crew thing, some fans were pissed because they're like, you didn't even go back and say, all right, same offer. You get three days to decide. Like, you know, even just like that kind of thing. But I do feel like, I don't know who, but... One of them made an expectation that they're not going to be able to keep. And that concerns me because that means that we went in three months from like, oh, yeah, we're just going to tweak this team to we are in full on rebuild at this point. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think that's just a pandemic thing. I think it's the direction of this team is they're almost to the end goal with the drafts and everyone, you know what I mean? We've been suffering. And we're almost to that end goal of Sweeney's original five, you know, three to five year plan. Well, we're a little past that, but not too much farther. And now we're going to blow it up and go a different direction. And that's scary to me, just as a fan. So, I don't know. We'll see what goes with that. But that's it. Ask BNG. Yeah, ask. We ranted. We talked about it. We mauled. We Thank you for this
1: submissions too, by the way. and Keep them coming. Just use the hashtag Aspieng any time of the week because that... Yeah. Yeah. We, that keeps us track. We keep track with everything right there. So keep them so coming. Anything
0: that comes in starting the 23rd will apply to next week's hashtag BNG. So if it exactly. comes off your brain at 9 o'clock at night on a Tuesday, just add the hashtag and we'll go back and find it. Absolutely. Which is what I have
2: to do. Thanks <laughs> everyone for doing that. Any uh, This Week in Bruins History, Mark?
1: Yes, This Week in Bruins History, November 26, 1975. Bobby Orr scored his last goal with, the, with Boston in the uh, Bruins' 6-4 win over the New York Rangers. And actually, this uh, brings up uh, uh, a, a little story and, uh, and a little promotion, too, by the way. But with, with that being said by Bobby Orr, I, I just wanted to um, talk about the book that uh, Russ Conway wrote. And it's called Mis- Game Misconduct. And this is about Bobby Orr's agent, Alan Eagleson. And um, Russ Conway has since passed, uh, since uh, last year, I believe. He was a very, very good Boston Bruins writer for the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. And he wrote this book uh, to expose what uh, Alan Eagleson did to Bobby Orr and uh, and the corruption of hockey. So um, I highly suggest you get this book. Uh, Russ is, like I said, a great writer. But he was the basic one that really opened the eyes to um, the FBI and a lot of investigation uh, um, uh, services to look into this guy and see how what he was doing wrong. So uh, kind of like you know Bobby Orr's last goal with the Bruins was kind of like the reason why because this asshole just took advantage of um, of a guy that was just basically. Uh, a a new england legend a world legend in the in the in the hockey uh community and you know uh could have been an owner of the bruins uh you know i i'm hearing that the uh, there was an offer by the boston bruins to get bobby Orr involved in the organization and alan eagleson stared him away because i don't think he was getting a big enough cut on his end or or whatever Mm -hmm. but i highly recommend you read the book and 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 uh explore how much of a piece of shit this guy was but and what he did to it, just an absolute legend and a great guy.
2: And thankfully, Bobby has had uh, done excellent uh, in business benches and things. So he's been able to rebound. Uh, a lot of lot of athletes get taken advantage of and then really struggle afterwards. And, and Bobby's been able to persevere through it. So thankfully for that. But that's uh, that's a book I definitely want to read. I actually have the autobiography Bobby had. And I, I love this talk about pond hockey. He had, a lot of, he had a section there about playing pond hockey which I think was really cool just to hear a guy just playing hockey out in the pond who was arguably the greatest hockey player ever (laughs) just though playing on the pond and how much he loved that almost as much as playing in the league. Like just, and that's really cool to see uh, what type of guy and sort of regular guy he was. So um, I'll have to check that uh, book out for sure. Just a quick update on my, uh, on my poll. Who is your Bruins whipping boy? There's been 42 votes. So thanks everyone for voting. Uh, Tuka Rask at twenty six percent, David Krejci at five percent, Jeremy Jacobs at sixty nine percent, and Zip- <laughs> not received a vote. So Jeremy Jacobs is the whipping boy so far at sixty nine percent. It's on my Twitter at OOB Cards. Uh, I also tagged Black and Gold Pod, so it's on for five days. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, hop on Twitter. Yeah, the the Hate
1: and- haters on awake yet. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sure they will be
2: late at night. will get a boost. When uh, <laughs> oh God, <that's, clears throat> yeah. <The>
0: mysterious <clears throat> truck um, of Twitter.
2: <laughs> so it's time to give thanks. Uh, I do. I do want to say I give a lot of thanks to the people who read our content on BlackAndGoldHockey.com. We've seen an enormous amount of views and a spike in views since we've made the changes in the website and. You know, great uh, work by Mark and by uh, I know that Andrew Taverna does a great job for us on there. And there's many people who contribute. We have a whole host of writers. We actually added three or four new ones lately. So welcome to those folks too. check us out. We're still banging out articles once a day at the very least. And uh, so check that out. But I just wanted to give thanks to everyone who listens to the podcast, everyone who contributes on uh, by, by viewing our articles and, 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 also interacting on Twitter and, you know, that good interaction we had, uh, even the positives and the negatives, it's all, it's all great because it shows you're listening and, and reading. So that's um, my good thanks.
1: I do want to touch on one thing about the, uh, the rankings for on charitable. I'm not sure if people know about this, but as podcast content, uh, providers, we get, uh, emails from people that are tracking our podcast now it's a it's a it's a big up and down world. It's nothing consistent, but I do want to mention that our podcast was the twenty third highest uh, on Apple Podcasts at one point, and the first was Spitting Chicklets. So wow. that's uh, pretty good. I mean, we're higher than uh, 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 Dreger and um, the Dregs. That that podcast, um, which is a fantastic podcast, and I was surprised that we were ranked higher than that, but. Uh, It's a ranking of 250 podcasts uh, on Apple Podcasts, and we were at 23rd at one point, so shout out to everybody here. You guys are a fantastic group, and also the support that we get from our 30 members over the Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company, but the the viewers of, of our YouTube channel and the listeners on our audio podcast side have just been tremendous. It's been such a great ride, and I can't thank you all enough, so...
2: Excellent. Hey, Heather, anything you're thankful for other than, uh, you know,
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm grateful for a lot of things. Uh, firstly, I'm grateful that we got to this point in the year because it's, it's been a long, long year and I'm happy mm-hmm. to celebrate Thanksgiving with, uh, you know, a, at least your direct family because we can't have gatherings this year or whatever, but um, it's been a long year. So I'm thankful to just, I guess, be here and be able to hang out with you guys every weekend and uh i'm super thankful to everyone who supports black and gold and from mark from the first episode and articles he was dropping through him you know him us becoming an llc and just the growth and all the awesome writers and all the people who support us from uh, our super serious stuff to our silly stuff like you know our apparently our new Twitter poll kind of thing we're going to be doing. That will be fun. We'll bounce back and forth when things are out there. So, I don't know. I just want to say thank you and happy Thanksgiving to everyone uh, in the States, obviously. And uh, let's watch some football and eat some turkey and just maybe have one day this year where we're not watching the news and the craziness that elsewhere is going in this country. So, and uh, thank you also to anybody in Canada. But we already thanked you. We already said happy Thanksgiving to you. So, you're just going to have to wait. Yeah.
2: I'm also going to give thanks to hockey. Hopefully, coming back in January because hockey is so great, and of course, it's it's a lot about what we do each day. I mean, we think about hockey every single day. So, um, hopefully, it continues, and you know, the season begins mid-January, or so like they say, and and hopefully, and I know the Bruins will have a good team. It's just a matter of how good and how far they go, and what happens with their team. But we've had a really good run here, so I give thanks to having. Because I remember when I was younger. There were there were seasons where there was no chance. You just knew there was no chance the Bruins were going to win the Stanley Cup. They might have had decent teams, but enough, But really, never thought they they get to this point. And they've been really good for a long time, and uh, pretty thankful for that. And hopefully that continues. I know we get spoiled by it, but I do remember the old times when we never really had a chance to seem. It seemed to to win the cup. So at least we have chances and we have opportunity and. Uh, we have great players to watch. So that's something I'd like to give thanks to as well.
1: So. Yeah. And we, I just want to say, as the uh, founder and CEO of Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company, we just want to, uh, uh, it's a blanket statement from everybody here, a group of 30 some odd people. We want to say that we uh, hope that your families and friends all stay safe during these, uh, these tough times and, you know, social distancing and so on. But uh, please use the available. Um, uh, avenues to connect and, and to be with uh, one another because we still need that communication the love and the family and everything like that so just do it safely and uh and, and we'll, we'll get through this we're, we're gonna humanity's gonna win uh in in the long run so uh just please be safe and uh and enjoy
2: you know and one th- way to give thanks to us is by uh, contrib- contributing on patreon
1: Oh, man. You are starting to become the king of segues, my friend. There's a segway. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, we do have a Patreon campaign that we're going on right now. You can go to Black and Gold Hockey... I'm sorry. I always do that. It's patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast. And you could have a chance to win one of these. It's a signed... And I know you can't see it on the YouTube right now, but I will put an image right beside Heather, like I always do. But it's a signed and New Bjork jersey. And this is just a dollar. Dollar per episode. You get involved in the monthly giveaways and that's what we're doing. We're doing monthly giveaways as we said in the uh, in the beginning of the show. We have some other items. We have t-shirts. We have signed pucks. We're going to get some uh, signed images of working with somebody over at some, a memorabilia company. So we're doing fantastic things. But it's only a dollar, folks. Get involved. The more people that get involved, the more stuff I'm going to buy to give away. So it's just giving right back to you guys. So I want to thank our financial supporters at patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. You guys have been amazing. And it's so amazing that we're able to do stuff like this. So get involved. Tell people. The more, the merrier. We just love doing stuff like this. So, um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Enjoyed another great episode, everybody. Episode 204. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And yeah, you guys too. Um, uh, hope you have a great day and you hopefully you can, hopefully you can at least speak with family and if you can't see them, maybe FaceTime them or Skype them or try to spend some time with family. Cause I know it's difficult right now. I know I can't go down and see my parents, uh, this weekend, but uh, there'll be better times ahead, as Mark said, so uh, hopefully everybody has a great Thanksgiving.
0: Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the broodstock going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter, at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.